Hi everyone, welcome to We Should Play. This is the series where we all play the same game and talk about our different experiences with it. This month we're playing through Alan Wake Remastered. If you haven't seen our first episode, we'll pop the link somewhere over here for you. Uh, but today we're discussing episodes three and four of Alan Wake Remastered. If you haven't played, there will be heavy spoilers in this episode, so go play and come back to join the discussion. I am Nina and I am joined by Sue and Brian today. Pick some take and ass and uh, I'm ready to talk about it. Same, chapter three had a lot to talk about. Um, a lot of cons, uh, a lot of pros. Let's get into it. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of um, cons on my end. Yeah, I would have to <laughs> agree with you. I got stuck in multiple places. Okay. Luckily okay. have made it through both episodes to discuss with you guys today, but it was a long night of trying to get through episode four. We start um, with Alan and Barry going to meet with Rose, which is where we left off because episode two ends with Rose being possessed by this evil old woman and we have to go meet her. Evil's debatable, but yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Sue no, still no. trusts her. <laughs> That's the issue we have right She's now. She's a redeemable Sue character. Still trusts her. What I thought was like super weird is like Mr. Randolph, he's taking us through and and uh, first off, Alan, who hates his fans, just walks in. He's, they're like, who are you? He's like, I'm Alan Wake. You might know me, the author. Like, <laughs> like oh, now it's convenient. So now you like having fans, huh, Alan? I'm and famous. Excuse you. <laughs> we eventually follow Mr. Randolph into Rose's trailer where we see her. And she's not how we remember seeing her at the diner. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes. Please, come in. I thought this scene was so disturbing, honestly. <laughs> I thought it was like a weird beginning. I mean, great beginning, but it was so weird walking into her trailer. She's obviously, like, possessed by something. Um, and then she, like, sits on the floor and she's, like, rocking back and forth. Yeah. Um, I feel girl. so bad because we, we liked Rose. We love we Rose. Her. Huge Rose fan. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm wearing, I'm wearing pink for Rose. I got Rose for Rose. I love Rose. The thing is, though, also, can we talk about, like, her room? What's going on with her room, though? Like, totally skipped over the fact that she has a massive shrine to Alan Wake. We obviously know she has the cardboard cut out in the diner. But we didn't realize that her obsession was this far, that she has all of these pictures by her bed. Yeah. It's a shrine! It's so creepy. I'm so it's a shrine. It's a straight-up shrine. She's not, her room is just him, and she's not yeah. maximizing any portion of it. Like, she's, it's, everything about that room is upsetting. And she has, like, a baby <laughs> mobile over her bed. <laughs> what are you doing, Rose? Yeah. Honestly, I'm tired of Alan at this point. <laughs> He's kind of getting in the way of this whole thing, isn't he? I wish we could switch to a different character. Like, Barry. Let's play as Barry. I think, yeah. I feel like that'd be relaxing. You're both I think obsessed so with Barry is all, it's all it is. You know what? It's because, like, Barry's reasonable. He's likable. Yeah. Uh, hey, Al. Al, what's... Oh. Barry! Well, we leave Rose's after basically Barry gets drugged. Um, so, like, Rose, under the possession of this uh, possibly redeemable possibly golden-hearted old woman, um, is <laughs> drugged. And after he falls unconscious and Rose is totally out of it, Alan Wake um, tries to leave the trailer park. This is the part that I don't really understand. Mr. Randolph calls the sheriff 
And we find out that he called the sheriff because the they were in there too long. And I just don't think that's like an actual reason to call like the authorities on on Alan and Barry. But I don't understand. Even bigger than that, like my gripe is I don't understand how Alan Wake is so bad at perceiving danger. First with the old lady in the back of the diner giving him keys, no questions about it. And then now we walk in and Rose is like this super cheerful, exuberant, like excited personality. She's like, hello, Mr. Wake. Like you said, curling up in the corner and they're, and she's like, drink this tea I made for you. And they're like, oh, okay. What do you mean we got poisoned? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like. Uh, no sense yeah, of self-preservation. I gotta agree with yeah. you. He's, no he, suspicion. He, no suspicion. Oddly trust, yeah. trusting. Oddly trusting. Yeah. Yeah, that, that brings me back to, like, I'm really tired of playing as Alan. He's so dumb. <laughs> like, how is he not dead yet? Because He's, we're that good, and we're controlling him. We're helping him. Yeah, but also, true. like, he wrote this himself, so in a way, he knew he would fall for this. Like, he knew he was that gullible, which is very interesting if you think about it. Like, we're, yeah. he's like, I am stupid enough to fall for this, and he continues writing. <laughs> That's very on brand for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when the police arrive, it's like you walk up there, and it just went from, like, zero to a hundred in, like, two seconds. Not only, like... Where the police like, get down on the ground, freeze, Alan Wake. They didn't even finish saying that. They're like, Alan Wake, freeze. And before they could even say freeze, the guy's just like unloading his revolver at Alan Wake. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what was confusing to me about episode three is I didn't know why Alan was doing any of the things that he was doing. Yeah. So first of all, like the cop chase made no sense to me because I was confused for the first half of it why we're chasing Alan. Mm. And then secondly, I was like, why are we going to the radio tower? And then he mentions Pat Main. I'm like, you dissed Pat Main in like the first episode and you were like, I'm not going to come and give you an interview. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. And now we're going to go talk to him. Why, why are we doing this? I think I got a little bit confused. Yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't clear as for, far as his directions. One thing that I did write down <clears throat> that I did like was I was really because because like typically in a video game, right? Like um, you'll like slowly throughout the game, you'll unlock all the different weapon types and stuff like that you, that you could use. But we essentially, I think, tried all the weapon types um, in the first two chapters. So I was like, how do you expand the combat from here? Um, and so it introduced things like the flashbangs, which a lot of flashbangs. I don't know why any police unit has so many flashbangs, but um, they also introduced some cool elements like the um, the floodlights, where they had like a limited amount of time, so you could like try to like lure the taken. As much as like the combat can be kind of challenging at times or frustrating, it did kind of make it a, a little bit of a breath of fresh air as far as combat goes, where it mixed things up enough to keep it fresh. And then also introducing the poltergeist items, which are like, um, we go through that like ghost town, and all of a sudden like you know a barrel will come alive and just start flying at you. What did what did you guys think of uh, of those things? Um, I thought this was dumb. <laughs> this is my hot take of the day. We're already fighting shadow people. I don't want to have to deal with like these massive like industrial objects getting thrown at me. I do agree How with Brian in the sense that they, I feel like they did try to jazz up the combat a bit, like with yeah. the, the temporary lights and like having to gather them, all that stuff. That is true. Um, I appreciated that because 
and the flashbangs, I love the flashbangs. I love the flashbangs. They're the best. I, I, I was using them every chance I could. As far as the inanimate objects, I hated that. Hated that totally. <laughs> um, especially yeah. since you can't tell if they're going to attack you until you get close and you start and they start lifting up because they kind of blend in. There's no way to distinguish stuff that's not going to attack you and attack you. I remember the worst part in the game, and I think this was when we were going through the radio to the radio tower, I think, is crossing a bridge. Hey, uh, objects are going to attack you now. Mm -hmm. That bridge. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, the that was, bridge yeah. is the worst part of the game. It's the worst part of the game. That's the game. That's the part of the game that I spent so much time on that I felt like just giving up after this point. And it involved, like, it's funny because the manuscript page that I picked up said, um, watch out, that wrench is going to come hurling towards you. So I was like, ah, clever. I'm going to watch out for the wrench. There was no wrench. Pipes, <laughs> pipes came hurling at me. Thank you. Pipes came hurling at me. The first time the inanimate objects really got to me and I had to, like, stop, almost rage quit, was the bulldozer. What? Not the bridge? Are you serious? No, the bridge I thought was fine. I, I got past the, the bridge. bridge I got to the bulldozer and I was stuck for a while. No, Nina, I love the bulldozer part. The bulldozer part is I excellent. <laughs> so freaking fun. You should see my clip. My footage, I got that bulldozer to run over a bunch of those taken over and over. Oh, it that was fun. amazing. That was, it was fun, so yeah. fun. My, uh... It was fun because the bulldozer would run over your enemies, yes. but the thing is, like, just destroying that bulldozer and it getting in my way was the hard oh, part. Come on. It was so slow, though. It was slight. It was like slightly <laughs> slower than yeah. us, which is a slow. I, I thought it was pretty fun. I I I liked it too because like like at first I always try to just like kind of rush towards. It. I think I was just trying to like at first my first two attempts I like ran up because you go to the gate and start opening the gate while the bulldozer is coming. So I was like, oh, I could just skip this. Tried it like three times. I was like, okay, it's not happening. And it was like, yeah. I feel like a lot of times with this stuff, because it's like the enemies more or less spawn in the same spot. They come from the same direction. So once you know where they're going to be coming from, you know where to position yourself. Inanimate objects are just flying at you left and right when you're like near a coal mine, I think. And all I would do is I would just stand behind a pole and just line up the site. It would run to the pole yeah. and then I would just... Just hold my flashlight yeah up right into the pole hold the flat and it was like i wish i both simultaneously like the fact that it did that because it was easy to cheese but also i do wish that it would like maybe like if there was something in the way it would have like gone around to at least have that <laughs> challenge that. in That's there a terrible, I don't wish that at all. a terrible thing to wish i was hiding behind things yes no i believe the the bridge acted as like a crucible for me i came out of there with black belt at fighting inanimate objects so they couldn't hurt me once I left. <laughs> See, that was the bulldozer for me. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the rest of this game now." And then I hit the part in episode four where I got stuck for a full hour. So. Oh, oh my god! Uh, we'll get, we'll get to that. I'm so curious <laughs> what you got stuck later. on. Because when Nina mentioned More that she that got later. stuck on something, I was like, "For sure, it was the bridge. For sure, it was the bridge." No, not huh. the bridge. Okay, okay. Real important question. So you get in the car and you're driving to the coal mines, but then there's a bunch of other cars along the way. Did you, what cars did you take? All of them. Yeah, I, I did the really? same thing. Really? <laughs> Every single one, yes. <laughs> Me too. Okay, so I guess I was not as smart as you guys because I was running. I'm like, why am I running for such a long time? This road is really long. And then I got to the last truck 
the like the final truck before you get to the coal mine. Um, and I was like, oh, I can get in this. That would have been so much easier. And then I, I got in, and it was like one. literally two yep. seconds, and I pulled up at the coal mine. I'm like, oh, dang. I bet I could jump in those cars that I saw. Oh, well, you, you were playing here. as like lawful good. You didn't want to yeah. carjack any of these cars. They weren't your cars. Exactly. Yes. I was like, oh, I'm just running down That's the road. This is fine. It's very kind uh, of you. <laughs> because I was also thinking at that point, like, this is really nice of the game to do this to us. Like, I just got past the bulldozer. It was awful. And now I just get the scenic route where I get to run yeah. around. There's nice music. And so I didn't even think about jumping in a car. It, and that's a really good point. Like, it, it felt like, honestly, a nice break from the combat. And I I think, to me, that is my biggest uh, gripe, if you will, with the game, is, like, like I play, like, a lot of, like, Resident Evil or, like, different horror games and stuff like that. And as scary and as intense as those things are... It's what makes them really good is it kind of has an ebb and a flow. It has a roller coaster type feel. So for like, you'll be fighting through zombies and jump scares for an hour. And then for the next hour, it'll be daytime and you're puzzle solving and you're trying to figure out how to navigate your way through this area. And it kind of gives you that moment to recollect, kind of catch your breath, gives you a break from there. And then also by doing that, that makes it when you go back into those scary moments, it makes them that much more scary because you just calmed yourself and you just relaxed. Whereas I yeah. feel like I wish Alan Wake had a bit more of these relaxing moments and it's maybe like investigating things or trying to figure things out or exploring or stuff like that to kind of break up that tension because I feel like a lot of times it's just constant like, oh, uh, go from point A to point B, fight a million taken along the way, go from point B to point C, fight a million taken along and it's just like nonstop where it doesn't give you that second to catch your breath not in a good way, if that makes sense. I yeah, I think totally I think right. you nailed it because yeah. there's, it's it's also a mystery. Like we're trying to solve like what happened to our wife. Like what is mm. actually happening? And I wish there was more focus on it, where we could, you know, because you have the manuscript pages, and mm. I think that's great. But I was enjoying my nice little walk through the daytime. I'm like, oh, I can relax now. This is fantastic. Yeah. And then when you get to uh, the coal mine. Alan has to wait wait till dark to to keep moving, and then it's like, oh crud, it's gonna get scary again. Yeah. But I was enjoying the break, so yeah, you make a good point. I, I totally agree. I think their version of the breaks, like their breathers, are the cutscenes, because they you know they have all yeah. these like nice cutscenes, but I don't I don't think that's enough. I think you actually need to play for a while in a like safe space or like enjoy things like you guys were saying for before diving back into the dark and stuff, you know. Just to catch you guys up, so in the game, we keep hearing references to Thomas Zane, um, and we keep hearing references to him in regards to having stayed at Cauldron Lake, I believe, like 20 years ago, and he had a girlfriend whose name I can't remember, I think her name was like Mick Jagger or something, and they were together, and they both uh, died uh, mysteriously. I think Thomas Zane died in a diving accident. So now you know that there are these two characters in play, they've sunk to the bottom of the lake, and Alan believes that Thomas Zane, in a supernatural fashion, is the one distributing the manuscript pages, which is why they're appearing very conveniently along his path. So, hmm. just adding more to this, like, very spooky world. It was all a waste of time. The bastard never showed up. We go to the coal mine because we are trying to meet up with the kidnapper. And Worst kidnapper ever. Ma- his, name Worst kidnapper ever. his name is Mopaw. His name is Mopaw. Yeah, we get to the location where we're supposed to meet him, and then we were like, hey, we're here. And he's like, 
no, I'm at this completely other location there. And you're like, oh, well, I just, I just got here. I mean, can we meet in the middle? He's like, no, no, F that. We're going to a new place. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so after we fight our way or run through our way through that swarm of enemies, we make it to the clip. We're going to meet our kidnapper, our kidnapper, like he's like one of us, you know. Um, <laughs> we meet the kidnapper and we're, ex you know, expecting to find out what happened to Alice. And he's like, the darkness is like swarming around him in some kind of storm it's creating. And he's just like yelling at the gods of darkness or something like, hey, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And then he just gets yeeted off the cliff. Uh, Alan rips a flare out to protect himself, but it doesn't matter because he gets yeeted off the cliff straight into the water. I would like to mention that because we fell into the water, I think the manuscript pages would have been ruined. And I think that kind of, um, that's something they didn't think about, but I did. Plot so, hole. Well, plot they're hole. magic manuscript pages. <laughs> Who obviously. said they're magic? No one said they're magic. They're not magic. They're paper. <laughs> now, this is where I get very interested in what's happening. Because yeah. we wake up and we're in Hartman's Lodge. I believe it's called Cauldron Lake uh, Therapy for Creative People who maybe aren't very creative right now. And so we wake up and Hartman's like, you bumped your head, buddy. And everything you've been thinking about is all a dream. You've imagined it. You're slightly schizophrenic. And look at this view. <laughs> and Alan's like, look at it. Yeah, it's a beautiful view. Never tire of it. Um, and your wife is dead, by the way. And I think he tells him in the elevator. Remember? He's just like on the <laughs> yeah. way to- oh, by the way, oh, by the like way. your wife died. Um, you're crazy, yeah, and you need but to come get look over at this it. mountain over here. Like, look at this, look at this lake but in the mountain. Would you look at it? Look at it. Mm -hmm. I never tired <laughs> of that. Look at it. I was very taken aback. Like when we're walking around, we're at this retreat, and it's seemingly all just like it's all it's like a mental ward, basically. And then all of a sudden, we see the Andersons, who are uh, we now learn are like Viking musicians, oh, <laughs> which is like so awesome, cool. but also seem to come out of like left field because our prior like meeting them was at the the oh dear diner when they were just like trying to listen to a jukebox so i'm like how did they go from <laughs> having a diner to be like in a mental I ward kind love of thing this. but i love, them, I, I love them they're my favorite characters of this game. i know and the little toy hammer oh my god yeah he's just... <laughs> just bonking people with <laughs> yeah and i was hoping they would lean into more of like what we were talking about where it's like not nonstop action, just gives you that breather. And I felt like it started giving you that, gave you a taste of it, but only for like 15 minutes. And then it's like, oh, why don't you come downstairs, Alan? And I walk past one of the floodlights and I'm like, and the power flickers and they're like, oh, the power. I'm like, all right, so we got five minutes till it's pitch black and I got to use this floodlight, more combat coming. <laughs> yep. And you're totally right. That's exactly what happens. The lodge is overtaken by darkness and we must kind of just like escape. And one of the things that we have to escape through is a hedge maze that is here for some reason. Um, <laughs> I see Nina rolling her eyes. Why does this clinic have a hedge maze? I don't know. I don't know. There's a part like after you arrive to Mr. Hartman's where Barry gives you the flashlight and sacrifices himself basically to give you the flashlight. That's a huge yeah. thing. You know? Yeah. And that's right after, and then right after you pick up a manuscript page, and it's about Barry meeting his fate with a lumberjack, which is horrifying. Like, if Barry's out of this game, I don't want to continue. 
Gosh, I was fearing for Barry's life because he literally just gave us the only protection he had. That's what I'm saying. And I was so worried he was going to die. Are we playing this game right? <laughs> I love how you both are like, could not give a crap less about the main protagonist that you're playing as long as Barry is okay. <laughs> I have a hot take for both of you right now. Um, Go on. I feel like I'm going to make you both very upset. I'm gonna say oh, no. it. Barry sucks. Just gonna just gonna throw that out there. You're being a he contrarian. There. There's no way. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> Awful take. Sucks. Kicked off the show. <laughs> you know, it's over. We're waiting. Canceled. Like after the hedge maids, it's like okay, you have to uh, hold off the taken at while he unlocks a door. He has the key, not a ring of keys. He has the no, he key. No, he doesn't. And he, he takes twenty. He's like, oh. He I dropped think. it, Brian. He dropped oh, the key. Oh, he's nervous. The key. Meanwhile, twenty minutes goes by, and I'm sitting there fighting off the take, and he's like, I got it. Like, dude, I could have taken the key, stuck my hand through, twisted it myself, and pulled it back. I have a question. So you were fighting the taken, huh? Were you using anything to fight them? Were you using um, a flashlight, flashlight of sorts? Where'd you get that yes. flashlight? Mm -hmm. Barry. You... But I wouldn't have needed to use it <laughs> if he just unlocked the door like a normal person. Okay, okay I'm going to stop you right there because I'm already <laughs> heated. I know I've talked about the part that I got stuck on for an hour. This was the part. No! Oh! <laughs> um, See, you must I hate still Barry love... too. I still love Barry. <laughs> Barry is the best. This is not Barry's fault. This is Alan's fault. It is all Alan's fault. Okay. It took me one hour plus, plus a little bit of extra time, to beat the section of keeping the Taken away from the gate. Uh, it, I ended up having to go, like, back and through the map, through the maze, to, like, kind of make distance to, to um, actually get oh those, like, God. big guys that, like, chase you. Yeah. But anyway, finally finished it. I'm very happy with Barry. He found the key. He opened the gate and saved us. First after, of all, like I don't know where this hot take hour. from. No, I don't like. I don't like this hot take at all. What What should be more difficult, running away from an army of supernatural darkness people, and trying to dodge and duck and weave your way through, or sticking a key in a hole and turning it? His hands were sweaty and he's weak. <laughs> Arms were heavy. There was vomit on his sweater already. That's our question of the day, guys. Do you think it's harder to find a tiny, tiny key that's lost in the grass? Who knows where? Or is it harder to fight the Taken and kind of hold them off for like a couple minutes? Aubrey Slender will be removed from the comments. We reject your take, <laughs> Brian. We reject your take. Yeah. We move on now. We and, move on. And do we it know was not a hot take. Is, it was lukewarm and we didn't like it. <laughs> do we know who Emil is, by the way? Because like I kept seeing that with the flashlight. It was like ML? Emil. E-M-I-L. My note Emil? says, is this is? supposed to yeah, say lime backwards or something? Yeah, I don't know who Emil is, but it kept popping up in the, the yeah. writing. Too many characters. That was my yeah. note. I, I think it is the word lime spelt backwards, and there's going to be a, a lime that will play a key role. What? <laughs> the a video. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, I have a, wait, wait. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> Let's put on our tinfoil hats. Lime? Emil? Emil backwards is lime. In the mm -hmm. beginning of the game, the Anderson brothers wanted to play a song on the jukebox. What was that song? <gasps> lime in the coconut. What does it mean? 
It all connects. God damn. Best part of the game is when you get to the farm, um, it's all decked out with all these like firecrackers and it's like set up so it's like a yeah. real cool concert hall so people can go and like party in this outdoor like concert area. You get on the stage, Barry starts like hooking up those little like lights and the and the little firecrackers and everything. And, and it's the best, yes, he starts spinning and it's the best like <laughs> Fight with the Taken in the entire game. I love that section so much. What do you guys think? You can't say you don't love Barry after that section. Yeah. He's like got his arms in the yeah, air. He's, he's like, like DJing. It's so good. Care. Flashing that spotlight, you know. <laughs> yeah. He is fantastic in that I section. will say that was so far my favorite part of the game. Especially yeah, the intro to that. Because so it, it like comes out of absolutely nowhere. There's no context. Like they have like a live performance stage on the farm. Like, we, I mean, I just found out they were musicians <laughs> and Viking musicians. And then we go over, and then there's like a Taken about to kill uh, Barry. And then all of a sudden, we see a dragon from ahead just breathe fire down. I was like, what? Dragons? What? <laughs> and then, yeah. Basically, the, game, the chapter winds on pretty quickly after the concert because you go, you explode the farm a bit. Um, you and Barry have a little bit to drink. You have a nightcap. Alan. Uh, gets drunk and has a vision. Before he does, he, he starts bragging about he could write 10 books a year if he wanted to. Okay, Alan. Okay, Whatever. Okay. If I just wanted to, I could write 10 books a year. And, and they'd be the best books that year. No, you couldn't. That's right, I couldn't. I loved the end bit of episode four because you're going through like first person instead of yeah. through Alan's body yeah. to kind of like per body re experience. relive yeah. yeah relive what happened like you go to the water you see his wife's body in there and then you meet up with the old woman in black mm -hmm. which is so scary but I'm mean, like I don't want to say Sue's right but she seemed kind of comforting here at the end of episode oh, did four. She? I kind of liked her. You I'm liked suspecting her? both of your tastes yeah. now. First Barry, and now both comforted by the clearly evil woman in black. I know this is at the end of the chapter, but I have to bring up the fact that apparently Alan like sat down and wrote that book in two weeks. So everything was written in two weeks, implying that Alan didn't poo or pee the entire time. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Doesn't add up. Maybe he did in his <laughs> pants. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Yeah, because you're running through the woods for so long. Like, no bathroom breaks? No. He keeps picking up those coffee thermoses, too. Like, I is know. he drinking the coffee? Is he like, drinking or, or is he peeing in the thermos? Because we never actually see <laughs> the coffee in the thermos. Is that a game element that we want to see in, no, in no, our games now? Is just no. bathroom breaks? <laughs> I don't know. I want some. Maybe. I want some reality to this. I need bathroom breaks. Yeah, yeah. We need to ground ourselves. We need. Uh, we need breaks to sleep. We need to brush our teeth. We need to show that Alan is taking care of himself. We need to exercise so he can run better too. Yeah. I don't understand why we don't have, like, a power-up or something at this point. Like, can't he write, like, I was super buff and, like, ran down the street? Like, yeah, why can't I, you just write that that's in? That's so true! I, I really loved this part. It, like, really hooked me with the whole out-of-body experience or thing like that. But that is one thing I didn't quite get. And maybe it, it is something that gets explained a little bit more. But he's like, oh, 
um, and I had to, I included myself as the protagonist, but I had to make sure there was danger around every corner because in a horror story, you never know if the protagonist is going to survive or not. But like, if you had that moment of lucidity, yeah, why wouldn't you make it like I had stamina, I had the stamina of a mm-hmm. four-year-old child, not a two-year-old, like, yeah, like, or I, I was super Thor's fast. I hammer, like, yeah. mm, why not just write some, <laughs> some equipment for you? I was I impervious to bullets and, <laughs> and axes, you know. Like. Yeah, FBI tried to shoot me, but I had steel skin from, from before in the <laughs> other book. So I guess my, my final thoughts, I didn't like episodes three and four as much as I liked episodes one and two. Um, I think four really helped with bringing in more of the story, and now we have more setup for five and six. But um, I actually am going to drop my rating. Last week I said the game was an eight out of ten. I am now dropping it to a six out of ten, which I feel like might be a little (laughs) uh, controversial. Three and four. I wouldn't give it a six. I'm going to say a seven. I think it had some really good highlight moments, like the concert and that ending for chapter four really, really hooked me. And I feel like everything's coming together and it got me really excited for chapter five, whereas chapter three or four didn't get me that excited. Previously, I had given the game a score of seven. Um, Chapters three and chapter four got me a bit hyped. I am very much loving the final uh, shifting into like what I imagine is the second uh, part of the game where we're getting more answers. They are shaking things up a little bit more. I wish there were more breathers like you guys talked about, just like things to break apart the gameplay. I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head of like, what is wrong with this game? It does feel like the combat is a chore at this point. Like I'm not excited to do combat. I do like it when they shake it up, like when they do stuff like the concert and stuff, but just not very often. I will say I will give it a 6.8. So I only dropped it 0.2 points. I think it's still a solidly seven, maybe just creeps down a little bit. Um, and we'll see if we can get it back up to that seven with the next chapter. Don't forget to answer our question of the day. Do you like Barry or not? Because Brian thinks that he's awful for not being able to pick up the key and just unlock the gate. Whereas Very Sue simple. and I feel like it's Alan's fault for not being able to fight faster. Click on the links below to join our Discord group where you'll be able to chat with the rest of the community who's following along with our gameplay, as well as chat with us directly. Subscribe to the channel. We would love to see you next week for more Alan Wake.